Hello, genius fans. Putting up with Aaron Michael Marsh. Remember those old uh, the Baja ponchos that you wear in the 90s? I mean, I never had one. I wanted one. Never had one. I had one. I didn't even buy it. I don't, it just appeared in my life. I don't know how I got it. It came with a 1994 calendar. Yeah. I Everything. I got so many hand-me-downs and I was the oldest kid. I don't even know how it worked. <laughs> okay. Wait, did you guys go to church? No. Uh, they. My mom would make me go to church when I was because, a kid. Yeah. Because in my mind, my head immediately went, which shows my upbringing a little bit. We're like, oh, somebody from church was giving your mom stuff because her kids have outgrown it and they're now older than me. Yeah, we didn't have that like community connection to church. My mom mm. was Catholic, if you can see my air quotes, uh, which means that, you know, she wanted communion pictures and she would send us to church on Sundays and we would go, I would go and play stickball and then sneak in and get the pamphlet right at the end and then show that as proof to her that I went to church. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, I mean, nobody I've met who's Catholic is really Catholic. I'm pretty sure even the Pope is like, oh, I just do Easter and Christmas. That's my theory. There are no real Catholics. Even Jesus was like, eh, I mean. That's what his hands are doing on the cross, right? Yeah, we're going to hang on They're to this in that forever. Position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Jesus. I guess it is Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> he was big on letting shit go. Um, so I think everyone should follow his lead. Famously, that is his quote is, uh, you know what? Let it go. I think that's what let the, shit go. That's, that's what the sign on the top of the cross means, right? I don't know. I don't know what it says. I think it says INXS, INXS. Oh, the band? He's just super into the band? Yeah. He, uh, he also liked to choke himself. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking, I was like, do I do the choke joke? And you're like, no, you know what? It's my show. Give it to the guest. Well, you already got the my Jesus. gift to you. With his hands out one. So Easter's coming up. We got to get a post all your zombie jokes. Yeah. I mean, by the time this comes out, Easter will have passed. Mm. Much like Jesus. I'm saying next Easter. There's always one. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. If you're listening for this Easter 2023, best Easter of all time. Yeah. Okay. So that that's reassuring. You're going to post this before 2023. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I post about just about. I record about a year and a half before I release the episodes. And so, so I'm you just get now in. releasing lockdown episodes. Yeah. You want to get right in for award season, right? Right at the end. So you- <laughs> yeah. And I talk about only the news. So like, if you listen to my current podcast, I'm like, whoa, Tiger King is crazy. Do they have a podcast award? A potty? The potties? Yeah. Is there a potty? <laughs> yeah. I was nominated for a potty mouth of 2023 <laughs> there should be that there should be um and it's it's just streamed nobody nobody like converges together could you imagine those acceptance speeches they'd be three hours long mm-hmm. like it would be, be there'd be an ad break there'd be a sponsorship yeah. deal that they go up and be like squarespace uh you know the deal just type in promo code potties mm-hmm that would be kind of fun to go to, but it also sounds completely obnoxious. Yeah, I don't, 
I don't subscribe to podcasts. Not a one? No, I mean. I mean, you're on mine. So tell, just lie to me. Say you subscribe to only this one. I don't. I have podcasts. I don't. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I do them. I don't know. Um, is it? It feels like it's at the same time a dying art and like the future of media. I don't know. It's so weird. I mean, they're all time capsules. Uh, Yeah. You know what? Because there's so many of them. Yeah. It's both of those things. People that are doing it well in the future. And then other people are just killing the art slowly and beating the dead horse. Yeah. Do you think that um, when the aliens discover all of our, you know, remains post-apocalyptic. They were, they, they're able to like get all of our data off the disc. You think they're going to go through every podcast? You think they're going to hear this? I mean, they're going to go through some. So the chance of them listening to this is still about 0%, but they're going to other ones for sure. Mark Marin talking to Robin Williams. They'll be like interested. Yeah. Cause if, if we found like so much as a, freaking coupon with hieroglyphics on it we'd be you know we'd lose our shit we we do all the time what if they bust into a room in the pyramids and there is a podcast <laughs> right and you're like oh what are you doing in here king tut and he's like oh you know just checking out the ants i'm like he's just talking about nothing oh, like geez. the first yeah the first five minutes of this episode you know where he's just like i think jesus is uh you think he's like shrugging on the cross and they're like, stop it. Why are you recording this? Yeah. And then they're also like, wait, holy shit. What's a record? So if this isn't for posterity, what's it for? I mean, I ask myself that about a lot of my life choices. Posterior. Well, I feel like I'm exercising a muscle when I do this. Uh-huh. I feel like it's the closest I do to getting out of the house, you know, like, I don't really like to go out and get out of the house often, but after this, I have a friend who's coming to pick me up to take me to a stand-up show just to watch it. Um, I wouldn't do that if somebody wasn't doing everything for me to do it. And so this is, I guess, my way to reach out to people. Uh-huh. And I release yeah. it because I feel like, because I feel like me and my friends are funny and I'm in the comedy world and I don't want to produce a show, but I want to be able to offer them something. Mm-hmm. No, so, I, I, I talk a lot of shit, but we all have to produce some sort of content as mm-hmm. performers and creators. So Yeah, I would like to one day host a show of some sort where I have to talk to people and I want to know how to grab nothing and make it fun and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, when I if I do a podcast or something during the day, it warms me up for a show or a mic at night. Oh. I can see that. Yeah. You're like, cause you're using that muscle. Yeah. You get your brain space going and do you have a show tonight? No, uh, I'm going to go support a show, but show. Uh, we're going to the same show. The indecent exposure at the Eagle LA. No, I'm going to the nightcap. Oh, the nightcap. Yeah. I want to, uh, I want to produce there. I like the nightcap. Do you know Aaron Maliner? Uh, yeah, we met, we talked guys. Yeah. This is good podcasting. If you guys want to also get a hold of Aaron Maliner and produce shows <laughs> in the pod, uh, the, the nightcap, promo code, putting up there Michael Marsh when you send it to him. And then he'll respond to me eventually and be like, yo, dude, you don't have a promo code. So all this goes in. There's no editing. You just dump it. 
hey guys, I use this one wonderful editing software that people <laughs> people say, hey, what what do you use? And I go, I use edit podcast stuff promo code putting up there michael marsh for 20 percent off the editing software um i mean depends on the episode i i edit some stuff heavily and edit some stuff very loosely depending on how funny i feel the guest is or how informative yeah i i hope i'm gonna be funny today i had a see that's the thing the, the podcast warms me up to be funny later okay so i'm just helping you get funnier for later yeah so if there's the second podcast tonight is going to be fire um this one okay well promote it with the fire podcast we'll do what we can um no and and i notice sometimes too if i have too much work in a day and i get too bogged down in my own brain that that kind of tanks it so the podcasting is like sort of wakes me up and breaks me out of that mode you know what i'm saying oh dude yeah i get it i mean I was hoping for this to be an uplifting thing for the day, you know? This is. Well, we'll see where it goes. I might cry later. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something I haven't done on this podcast. I haven't cried yet. You haven't cried? Have any of your guests cried? I feel like I have had a guest or two cry. I did. I did have one person. I did not release the episode who he definitely broke down with some tears, Uh, but I didn't release it. Hmm. He eventually started talking about how he wanted to kill himself and stuff. And so I was like, hey, this is just a conversation between friends now. We're not going to fully do this. Mm. There's no way to clean it up so that he's not as exposed. But I mean, because another point of the podcasting is sort of relating to people out there, you know, and there's probably some other people like that who are feeling the same thing. That's totally true. And I did do a different episode about suicide because of that. Mm. but I didn't feel, I felt like I was exploiting him in his moment. Yeah. It would be really, I think it would be exploiting them to do that. Mm. So does that make me a, a good guy or a bad guy for not, for well, not helping I mean, others? See the, your reasoning for not releasing it was, you know, you definitely didn't want the bad publicity either. So, like you're, you're still producer it. angling this in every single way. So there's that's nothing very wrong true. Yeah. yeah, I know. But like, it wasn't like I was like, hey, dude, do you want to go on my podcast and talk about how this might be the end of days? You know, like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely like, hey, did you want to talk about like metal albums and stuff? You know, like, and he was like, totally. And then it was just like, poof, he was just going through like how alone he feels. You know, and you're just like, oh no, this is yeah. not. It's not about metal at all anymore. Yeah. Well, um, I hope he's all right. He's all right. I, I check in with him. Yeah. Sometimes he's mad at me. Sometimes he's not. He's doing all right. And maybe he's still maybe, with us. Yeah. Maybe that helped. Maybe you did. Maybe you saved him. I wouldn't go that as far as save him, but he knows that he can call. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know. You don't know what people, I mean, all the people who have ever been suicidal you know it was like they were one phone call away so okay yes that is true i mean hero is a strong word but let's use it no let's no, break it I'm out you're a hero <laughs> putting up with the hero promo code hero for the editing software have you ever saved anyone's life i used to be an i one dispatcher oh yeah 
yeah. so indirectly again. So you won't take credit for the suicide prevention. But you're gonna take I did credit. take pride in that, but I took pride in it mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, no, no, no. Like I've definitely talked to people at bad moments in their life mm-hmm. and at least give them the comfort that someone's coming, you know, like and being a part of that. Uh, what is it? A cog in the wheel of help. Yeah. And, you, you know, all those calls get recorded, too. So that was your first like podcasting experience. Yeah. Yeah, when I left the company, I was like, hey, is there any way I can get, I don't know, 100 half hour to hour chunks of my phone calls that I can release publicly? (laughs) I actually did ask if there was any that I could keep. And they were like, there's just no way we can legally let you walk out with that stuff. But there were some good ones. There were some good phone calls. Is it not open to public record? Only so... When you are going over the radio, that's on CB. That's public. Your 911 call directly with the dispatcher, that goes into a database that can be pulled if, mm. like, they so legally look for it. But there's not, like, a database I can just go and just start listening to the phone calls of my time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're a, um, yeah. a but ham if radio a, guy, you can't just. Yeah. But, like, if I had a lawyer for some reason, if somebody was like, you know what? I think my dad could have lived had Aaron taken the call better. They could go fish that out today. Okay. I know so that it's, it's out there somewhere. It's sitting in a thing somewhere. So that's what you hear when uh, it's released, when there is like a, a, a issue. And, yeah. And- Cause I'll even go a step further and I'll tell you all yeah. of our training is about the liability. And so they want to release it to show the lack of liability they have in whatever happened. Mm. So we're taught all these different words or things to say or not to say. So it's just about you are just the communication vessel getting the information and everything you're getting. You're just telling to another person that's on the way. You're not really giving any direct advice. You might be giving suggestions for CPR, but you are not actually giving CPR. Mm -hmm. You have to ask if they would like suggestions for CPR. You have to ask them three times. Uh, because that's the, the legal number, because oh, even really? if somebody is fully dead with the exception of their head is off of their body, which is literally in the thing. So if they're, if they're like, oh yeah, no, like I woke up, sorry to like make this so morbid, but this is like phone calls you get. This is, is I'm having fun now. Yeah. You're not, you're not having fun. Is that you get people who are just like, Hey, I woke up and my wife didn't survive, uh, last night. She fell asleep. She died in her sleep. Um, you know, like. And people, honestly, when that kind of thing happens, they're actually very calm. It's not too emotional. And you go, okay, well, would you like to try CPR to give her any chance of survival? That is what we are told to say. And they go, no, no, she, she's definitely dead. She's cold. And you go, okay, I legally have to ask you again, would you like to, are you sure that you don't want to attempt CPR? I can help give you instructions to give her any chance of survival. And they go, no, I've already told you. And you go, okay, I, I do hear that you've said no twice. Uh, for full liability, I, you, you know, don't like say whatever. for full liability, do you? No, you don't. But you go, <laughs> hey, I, I, but you, so you do say, I have to ask you one more time. Would you like instructions on how to give CPR? And they go, no. And they go, okay, thank you. I'm sorry to have to put you through that. Uh, my condolences on the loss of your wife. We do have somebody that's already on the way, that's been on the way the whole time which Mm -hmm. is 
not entirely true. And, you know, like but you are, while you're going through the nose, you are plugging in the information and sending it to the next dispatcher who is telling an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And when the ambulance arrives and they uh, find a pulse, then that guy goes to jail. <laughs> Uh, no, not necessarily. When the ambulance arrives, even if they find no pulse, this isn't, I'm telling you guys about like how you handle a body. Uh, they still put, you know, that plastic mask. Mm -hmm. They still put that plastic mask over your face with the little pump. They put in the hand pump, the air into the body and they still give them something. Unless of course they are completely not there and they give them CPR all the way to the hospital. Mm. Um, if they can find any sort of thing, because nobody dies in the ambulance. They die upon arrival at the hospital. The reality of that is, is they were probably dead on scene or in the ambulance, but liability paperwork-wise, it's much less paperwork if they die on arrival in the hospital. Hmm. So that that is the standard uh, measure of death. That is what we do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is the... That's where I want to die. Sometimes people are so fully like no they're clearly gone that you do go okay you know what call everybody off keeping one person on scene the coroner's gonna meet you here but the coroner works at the hospital that's why you want to take them to the hospital there's a coroner in the hospital that can do all this fast if you have to get the coroner to the scene they're gonna wait there for hours for that coroner to have the time to go down there and go yes this person is actually really dead and then they put them in their car and take them off on their stretcher mm. I don't, I hope that was interesting for people. I don't talk a lot about my 911 experience. I know what I'm legally, where I'm, I'm not allowed to give addresses or like specifics of like who it might be. Mm-hmm. But luckily, what we just talked about was such a general thing that people, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah. everybody, yeah, it's the same amount of people that poop and die. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there is that where it's like, that was such a normal part of the day, specifically in the morning. In the morning shifts, you find out who did die at night. You know, like, and it's before people get sad about hearing this. Quite frequently, it's somebody who's, you know, on the way out. It's not a, it's not normally a shock. It's not this giant shock in the middle of the night. Things happen sometimes, but a lot of it is that. The other um, giant tragic thing, I watch this is where I get sued. If I get sued for this podcast, you guys, this is going down as an actual important one in the treasury, is when we would get power outages in neighborhoods, people that are on home life support lose power to their life support machines. And so when those come back up, people hope that there's enough, you know, like if somebody catches it, like if they have somebody watching over them, they will like move to like a temporary like oxygen tank or something they have, or some people do have generators, but not everyone does. And so during power outages, you usually get a couple of people that are on home life support that go. Hmm. Any other 911 questions? Um, hmm, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, all that stuff. Although not funny, well, very informative. Here's, here's what I've always wanted, um, you know, because like, I don't know. I feel like if I did anything in the slightest wrong. I'd never got a jaywalking ticket, but I literally watched my friend get one crossing mm-hmm. the street, standing there. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go grab a drink from whatever store it was across yes. the street and watched a cop pull, you know, 
and I've gotten some dumb bogus tickets, but you hear all the time about these people calling 911 with like the wackiest stuff. Oh my, you know, my washing machine's broken. And yeah. and they're tying up the lines. How are they not prosecuted? So a lot of these people are it's an emergency to them. They don't think about anything further than they're in panic. And so anything that causes a panic, you will get a phone call for. So I do remember there was a lady that would call. She's like, there's a mouse. And it ran into my refrigerator. And you go, okay, I can give you the number of three exterminators or whatever. Like whenever you give somebody a phone number and reference them to something else, you have to give them multiple things. And you can't choose the same two or three because they can't be endorsed by 911. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would give suggestions. So like, like you're going to have to get an exterminator for the rent. And they're like, no, I need you to come now and move the thing. You're like, no, I'm sorry. That's not how that goes. But this person is not doing this of malice. They're not holding up the phone because, and very few did it feel like these people are holding up the phone because they're trying to get in our way. They're just in a panic and they need some direction. Mm. Yeah. Cause we would get calls about like bees or it was in Arizona. So snakes mm-hmm. and you'd be like, okay, is the snake outside? And they're like, yes. And you're like, unfortunately the snake lives outside and is allowed inside. And they're like, but not on my property in my backyard. You're like, yes, it is. We will come if the snake goes in your house. But outside of that, we suggest Wait, everyone. Gonna, you'll send, you send cops if a, if a snake's inside a house. Uh, we send a firefighter. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we did snake removal. Yeah. And so the snake, you couldn't, people thought we would just take the snake to the same pit as if there's like just a snake pit in every city. Or like, you, like every snake phone call, especially during the summer, was common. It was our most common. It was a $75 fee. We tell them that. And because they have to accept the $75 fee before we send anybody out. Mm-hmm. And they get like, like you see in the snake handler TikToks and stuff where like it's the long arm with the two little plugs. They reach out, they grab it, they put it in the, in a bag and then they put it in a box and then they take it out and they have to drop it off within two miles, wherever they picked it up. You can't just have snakes all in just the same city block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause you were like, don't you just take it right outside city limits and drop it off. You're like, no, no that would just be a dangerous snake area. Now. They just take it to a different part. And then, so it can go right into someone else, someone different's house. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And we as dispatchers would find it funny to ask obnoxious questions, you know, because like they don't know they're just panicking. And so one of our favorite things that you would ask while specifically training somebody, because we would while training people, we'd we'd ask some questions a little off the book. You'd be like, did you make eye contact with the snake? And they'd be like, yes. And you're like, okay, we need you to go to the next room. The the snake doesn't like, you know, like, and it's like, what? And you're like, yeah, sorry. Like you would. You had the leeway to ask questions with that, which people have asked me if I wanted to put that in stand-up. You're like, yeah, you are victimizing somebody a little bit. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't t- make you the good guy. Mm. But yeah, no, snakes are a common call for us. And the common response to that would normally be, hey, uh, if it costs $75, I'll just do it on my own. And you're like, okay, I, I can't endorse that. But if you choose to do that, that is up to you. Would you like to cancel the firefighter coming? And they would say yes. And like sometimes, you know, very rarely do we get a call back like, okay, well, now the snake bit me and it's your fault or whatever. Like that happened a couple of times, but not often. Most of the time it was like, so I shot it 
So don't bring anybody coming down. You know, like it's dead. Everyone's safe. You don't got to charge nobody $75. And you're like, I get it. Thank you. Wait, so why? <laughs> so somebody would call 911 because a yeah. snake was in their house. But then yeah. when you tell them there's a price to remove the snake, they're, then they become brave and they want to remove the snake themselves. They don't even yeah, need $75 is the line. You go, no. <laughs> you know what? For 75 bucks, I can buck up, grab the snake and throw it over my fence. Yeah. No, I don't they, even believe it's poisonous because they would try to get you to tell you if it was poisonous or like, just tell me if it's black, if black and green is OK. And you're like, I can't. I can't sit here and tell <laughs> you whether it is. And we had a poster in the office of all the snakes that are in Arizona, which ones are or not poisonous. And somebody did turn their head and tell somebody something. And so they took it down. It's too much liability to guess that the colors they're seeing are correct to tell them if the snake was poisonous or not. It only puts us in bad liability. Yeah. 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 Cause a lot of times people see... would call to just be like, is it, is it poisonous? And you're like, I can't legally tell you. I could see someone being like a hundred bucks. I'll just, ca- I'll just find the kidnapper myself. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> just that's exactly what happens. Every crime because um, yeah, exactly. We also didn't take, you know, since I was working for firefighters, we didn't take cats out of trees and that confused people. I I always felt bad for firefighters that they were the classic cat removal service for trees. You know, like I'm not saying have more fires, but like I feel bad that they they have to get like the slow kid out of the railing or the cat out of the tree. You know, all the all the. Yeah. Like, well, almost all EMS is coming out of fire because fires, as cool as it is, people want to be firefighters. There's not that many fires where they have 40 hours a week of fires to be going fighting, which yeah. is good, which makes them have to do all these other weird public service things. Yeah, they're like 10% firefighters and 90% guy with ladders. Uh, yeah, it's well, not even ladders. You wish the ladders would get used more. It's mostly guys with ambulances or whatever. And so you just use it like, the most common call you get is uh, somebody elderly has fallen over and they need help getting back up. Wow. That's... So for the most part, it's just helping people get back up. <laughs> and you take I those fell phone calls. over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you lose it. And you just thank God they can do that. You know, like, because who knows what would happen if somebody wasn't there to help them. Yeah. I the the closest thing I've ever done to any of that is I gave a guy the Heimlich once. And you're calling me the hero. Well, all I'm doing is telling people on the phone to do what you did. Here's the thing about saving a life that they don't tell you that they that the that they won't tell you. Okay, yeah. Tell me tell me about what they won't tell you. The one thing that they don't tell you about saving life. Okay, so I, I worked as a chef in this kitchen. And I was in the walk-in and I heard some commotion. I came out and this one guy was trying to give the Heimlich to another chef who was choking on beef stew. And, uh, but he, he just looked like a dog, like hump, you know, like dog yeah. foul humping, you know, it was, it wasn't really the full Heimlich. And I never, which by the way, is a hilarious prank when your friend's choking and just start dry humping them. <laughs> just start, like, <laughs> and I, I've never really 
like I've never been Heimlich maneuver trained, but you know, I've seen it and I've read about, you know, so I knew the yeah. process and, and I went up to him and I looked at him and I was like, Hey, are, are you choking? And just like, you know, and I'm like, do you want me to give you the Heimlich? And he's like, and wouldn't, like, wouldn't look at me, wouldn't answer me. I was like, I'm going to take that as a yes. And then, so I did the Heimlich and I put like my fist, you know, right up in his gut and then uh-huh. put my, my other palm around it and yeah and heaved like in the like inward and upward motion and then boom he was standing over a metal sink all you heard was like that spittoon sound like boom you know that and and he 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 was relieved and he's like uh you know but there was still goop coming out and then so i said are you are you okay do you need it again and he was just gargling so um I did it one more time. And then like the, the Heimlich placenta, you know, there's always like, there's all the gook that build up around it. That all came out. And then he started breathing and, and coming to, and he just sort of just was like shocked and he walked away. Yeah. That's great. Here's what they don't tell you. That guy was literally the worst employee there. Yeah. He, he burnt so many different things. Like he ruined dishes all the time. <laughs> and the chef was like, you know, the head chef was like, now all the shit that he does is your fault. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You have to uh, take responsibility. Yeah. There comes a point where you go with great power comes great responsibility. Do I save the green goblin if he's choking at a restaurant? Yeah. You... <laughs> I don't know. I could give, um, Unlicensed and uh, what is it? Uh, I want to give choking advice. I'll tell you that the 911 choking advice we get when we get phone calls about choking. The first thing you do is you actually open their mouth and look to see if you can see it because quite often you can. Mm-hmm. And you can stick your fingers in there and take, remove whatever's in there sometimes or move it a little bit. If somebody's honestly choking, they can't talk at all because their wind is completely blocked off. So if people are like, I'm choking, but they're saying they're choking it's only a partial block. And so at that point, the Heimlich is just going to go around it. There's no reason to Heimlich somebody who can say that much at that point, you're just getting them to drink something or like wiggle around and you go hit them in the back and you go, we got to knock it loose, but you do have air coming, you know, like you got to remind them of that. And they're like, yeah, but it still sucks. It does. But yeah. the Heimlich also commonly breaks people's ribs, which sucks worse. I feel like you, you have to ask because I don't want to just go up and grope and manhandle somebody because I think they're going for sure. And you are correct. But on the other side, if they really, really need it, they can't answer. Yeah. And so if they don't answer that, that's a yes. But if they, Uh I want to give them the chance to opt out of this. (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. You are correct. Process. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody told me before that, uh, you're not doing it correctly unless you break a rib. And I was like, that sounds exactly wrong and crazy. Uh, they are not exactly wrong and crazy. So you, you, you're supposed to break a rib. Well, you want to put your fist so high up on there. Like it's just right below their sternum where the rib cage really starts to come off. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of space for a full thing. And it's more important to get the air going in and out. Cause that's where you can get the most, out of your air pump. So you want to unlodge it more than you want to take care of their ribs. And quite frequently their ribs get broken from the firefighters 
and people do sue them. And in court, they go, well, if it didn't work out, you wouldn't be able to sue me because you'd be dead. Mm -hmm. That is the, the liability of that is because what you're doing quite frequently will break someone's rib. Well, okay. So then my, how I would reply to that is I gave a successful Heimlich with no ribs broken. And I just saw a video actually, I think today or yesterday where a teacher gave a a little like six-year-old or seven-year-old. I saw that. Yeah, that was great. No ribs broken. So it's possible. You're guessing that part. The, the kid would have been doubled over in pain. He was like, okay, great. And walked Not away. all the time. With the amount of adrenaline going through him, they won't realize till the next day. Because mm-hmm. we're not saying it's a fully broken rib like they got sacked by Aaron Donald. You know, like it could be a fracture. You know, like there's all kinds of things that happen. Because mm-hmm. you're essentially giving them soft, very precise punches in the middle of their, of where their airway ends. And those, those are the discount ribs too. The bottom couple. Like yeah. The, yeah. Those, those don't matter. No, if you break the bottom ribs, you're doing something way wrong. You're not getting anywhere close to where you need to be. You got to be up here sort of more towards the top. What you Heimlich on the sternum? Right below the sternum, right where the ribs open up. Huh? I did lower than that. <laughs> you're lucky he lived. Yeah. Well, not it's really. That's my point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guy never said anything to me either. He never even thanked me or anything because I think he was just so freaked out. But I get that. Yeah. A little rude. Meh. A little rude. Yeah. I didn't. I think he didn't want to like have to figure out that whole Chewbacca life debt situation. You know. He should have. I mean, also, if he made the beef more tender, it would have just eventually worked its way down right yeah he put ketchup on it and even the chef was like i told you not to put ketchup on it that's what you get he put ketchup on beef stew it was really good beef too he was he's just he was whiskey tango i mean what can you do (laughs) that is that is more offensive than the pizzas i post i know that's why i'm like so torn about saving (laughs) it If I was to open someone's mouth and they're choking and there's a really wonderfully cooked steak in there and I see ketchup, that's just God doing as well. Yeah. Keith Graber is one of my favorite people. Uh, I wanted to be like that I met during the pandemic, but I really, I love talking to Keith. Uh, Keith is a part of a thing called Liar Comedy. It's a group that him and Ed Rosjan, who's was on a separate episode, like 20, 30 episodes ago, started during the pandemic. Maybe they did it before the pandemic. I was introduced to it during the pandemic because they were doing tons of the Zoom shows that everyone was complaining about, but I had a good time. I, I feel like I adjusted to that well, and I feel like a lot of it was because of them. And they were only a couple years in. And as you've heard, Keith and Ed are both really, really naturally funny, great writers. Um, like, so just, I don't know, like, I, they're, it's a rare thing when you meet somebody a couple years in the comedy and you don't know how long they've been doing it. And both Ed and Keith fall into that category. And so I'm always excited to see either of them. And so I was happy to have Keith back. We always have these great conversations when I see him at shows or just out and about. So it was an easy, like, Reinvite to have Keith back. 
And I did not know what the conversation was going to be about. He asked me before, he's like, anything I should know about? And I was like, no. Did not expect to talk to someone about 911, which also leads me to my next part. If you guys have any questions for me about my experience working as a 911 dispatcher, go ahead and send them. I know the most common question I get is like, what's the craziest call you've ever gotten? It needs to be more specific. Um, It just does. Because you go, I don't know, there's a lot of crazy calls. What kind of crazy are you looking for? There's not like just one giant crazy one that just stands out where it's just like, oh, there was a clown and he was holding a dolphin and this, like there was, there's none of that. There's, I mean, there's gruesome, there's insane, um, as much as like that person's acting insane, but you find out later it's because they're off their meds or something like, like, I don't know if you guys saw the CISA hotel uh, documentary where there was a girl acting super strange and they thought she was possessed. And then it turns out that she was off her medicine. When I watched it, because it's like seven episodes. When I watched it, one episode, when I saw the footage, I was like, oh, she seems like somebody off her meds. And like they exposed that way later. And I was like, oh, that was, that could have been cleared up real easy. This didn't need to be a seven part episode thing. But it was, and it was fun. But anyways, if you guys have any specific questions on my experience at 911, I will answer them. You know, why not? Um, yeah, it's been over 10 years since I've answered 911 calls, so... Nothing that I did at that time is not in some kind of public record. I just can't say names and addresses. Outside of that, everything else is pretty clear. And there's not, there's not too much that's like totally insane that's left from that era, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'll dig up some memory in my brain about that. Although, I didn't mention it. Valerie Tossi, another former guest of the show, she was an hour one dispatcher for a couple of years. And we've talked about it off uh, camera. We never talked about it on a microphone or anything. Um, yeah, so that's Keith. Love him. Follow him at Keith Graber or at Liar Comedy. You know, follow Keith at Ed Rosegen. Um, so go ahead. The best Ween fan. You know, like, Ween fans, we got connections. All three of us are Ween fans. Okay, uh, next week, I have Peter Murphy. Peter Murphy is one of the guys. I work at a place called Third Wheel. It is a comedy studio. It's a black box theater. If you follow my Instagram, you see pictures from it all the time. And people always ask now, they're like, why do you constantly take pictures at this one place? And you're like, because I work at this one place. So I'm there a lot. And Peter Murphy's the guy I met there. He works there too. And he is just always such a joyous personality to be around. And I know that he hates because I, I say this to him a lot. Um... He's just a lot like Jimmy Fallon, that Jimmy Fallon energy, that Jimmy Fallon positivity, that Jimmy Fallon kind of goofiness, that Jimmy Fallon looks at you, wants to laugh. Um, all of those things he kind of embodies too. And I know if you might be like, that's a lot of comparing me to Jimmy Fallon, but it's like, yeah, but it's all the positive attributes. Because it's not like the jokes he makes are the same that, uh, that Jimmy Fallon would do. And they are different in those ways. But just that positive energy and that wanting to have that good time where you're both making each other laugh. You'll you'll hear it next week when I have Peter on. You'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see kind of what he's talking about. So that's next week's episode. As far as me, I'm still Aaron Michael Marsh. You can still follow me at Aaron and Michael Marsh on everything. Um, I can't think of any shows I have coming up. I haven't been plugging my shows. I've been bad about that. I should do that. I will try to be better about plugging my shows on this thing. I think that about covers all of this. Guys, thank you very much for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Mm-hmm.